Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, if you turn to Acts uh, chapter 1. Acts uh, chapter 1. Uh, Luke is uh, writing and giving all the events that have uh, happened uh, after, in fact, this is right before Jesus uh, ascends to heaven, uh, but while his gospel referred to everything that Jesus did uh, and all the, uh, the actions that Christ did while he was here on earth, uh, his second book of Acts, when he writes uh, Acts, it is about what the Holy Spirit was able to do uh, through each and every one of the believers. So uh, what a great uh, book, and it begins uh, in a powerful, powerful way. Uh, I, as I was preparing the message this week, I, uh, I was reminded of uh, the fact that, uh, and this is, this is great uh, scholarly advice I can give uh, uh, to our teenagers. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I want you to be aware uh, that waiting is no fun. Uh, waiting for anything is no fun. It's, uh, it's the worst. Uh, waiting, uh, I remember when I first learned how to, to golf. Uh, when I was out there uh, and I went out on a golf course, we have a, uh, I learned the concept of hurry up and wait. Uh, you had to hurry to finish the hole so the person behind you could start, and then you would wait in line to go start the next one. And so uh, it was always terrible to sit there and then hurry up uh, and wait. As uh, I went on in life, uh, I learned uh, that when you get married, praise God, uh, you uh, shouldn't get in trouble, but you will be waiting, amen, uh, on a woman, right? Hey, praise God, we will be waiting. Uh, my wife and I, we get along great, uh, as best as we can, uh, but waiting, oh boy, we got to wait when we shop or do any of those things. Uh, then uh, uh, you got to wait with your kids. Uh, I remember going to Disney, uh, which is, by the way, a terrible idea. Uh, great for your kids, but terrible for you because you have to wait in line, and it's really hot, and and you're sweaty, and, and you have to wait, and, and everything in you, you're trying to convince yourself not to go crazy, you're uh, convincing yourself over and over, but, but waiting, waiting is no fun, nobody likes to wait, I, uh, I would wait for things, but I'd rather just get them now, why wait, I, I'm terrible with gifts uh, for my wife, I shop at the last moment for Christmas, and the reason I shop uh, right before Christmas is not because I'm a, a, a slacker and just wait till the last minute. Uh, I do that on purpose because if I buy her a gift a month before Christmas, I promise you I will give her that gift within two weeks of buying it. I just can't handle it. I can't wait. I don't, I don't like waiting. Jesus is with his disciples, and this is what he says to them. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 4. If you'd stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 1, beginning to read in verse 4, reads like this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we are so thankful for uh, the fact that you poured out your Spirit upon all flesh. 
Uh, Lord, as we look into your word today and we look at, uh, at what you commanded uh, your disciples to do, and Lord, often it's the same command that we receive today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you help us as we wait upon you. Lord, I ask, as I always do, that you hide me behind the cross. May it be you that is seen and not me, your words that are spoken and not my own. I love you, Jesus. I ask this all in your precious, holy, and wonderful name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, as I looked at this, wow, the very first thing I saw as we go through is that waiting requires trust. Waiting requires trust. It's important. You cannot wait unless you have trust. Trust uh, is pivotal to being able to wait. In fact, as we're going through this, this is uh, this Sunday right now is Pentecost Sunday. Woohoo! Praise God. That's when we celebrate when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. And on this Pentecost Sunday, this is what was happening right before that moment, right before that time where God's Spirit was poured out on all flesh. You see, we celebrate this day because it's uh, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. And, and our relationship with the Lord will never, ever, ever be the same. I mean, it's amazing what life was like before the Holy Spirit and what it is like now. We can never understand that. I will never be able to understand that because all of my life, since I was very little, uh, the Holy Spirit has been readily available to all. It's been poured out on all flesh, and so therefore I don't have the understanding of what life would be like without the Holy Spirit reminding me and convicting me and pushing me towards who God wants me to be. Our the Holy Spirit is not our conscience that tells us what's right and what's wrong. It's much more powerful than that. The Holy Spirit is what uh, trains us, what teaches us, what gives us understanding, what urges us to go deeper, to be more of who God wants us to be. And, and what a radical change that God had made on this earth. Well, what a powerful, pivotal moment in all of the life of history. No, no human being walked away from that event unaffected. I mean, I mean, it has affected us all the way until this day, even right now. And so you could imagine before that moment, you could imagine before all of history was about to change, you could imagine before life would never be the same and we would never be able to understand what it was like before because, wow, we would have the Holy Spirit readily available to us. You could imagine that in the moments before the Holy Spirit was poured out that the people had to be excited about what was next. The people had to be ready for what was next. The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus. The, uh, that's what they've been doing. Jesus, uh, I mean, it's been a powerful moment. Here he's raised from the dead and he's walking around. It says they walked with him for 40 days. They were hanging out with Jesus and learning everything they possibly could and, and were gaining brand new understanding. In fact, at this moment, Jesus is the talk of the town. I mean, uh, everybody's talking about him. I mean, everybody's talking about that moment. They're talking about what just happened, something they couldn't believe, something that they never thought possible because of his resurrection. <laughs> you see, when they crucified him and many watched him die, and now he's walking around and there are witness after witness seeing him walk around alive. I mean, it's amazing. He's the talk of the town. I mean, everybody's wanting to hang out with Jesus and wanting to be in this group. I mean, he's what everybody's talking about. 
But now he's about to uh, ascend into heaven. He's uh, about to go and, and, and ascend to heaven where the disciples will be standing there and, and trying to gain new understanding. Jesus knows he's about to go. He knows the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out. And so he's told them, He's told them before he went to the cross, he said, I'm going to leave. And they said, we don't like that. And he said, I'm going to leave and it's better for you that I leave. So they have this understanding that it's better for them if Jesus leaves because then the very spirit of God can be poured out on all flesh. So they have that understanding because Jesus has been preparing them. He's been teaching them for this moment. And so they understand that it's better if he leaves, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And so Jesus leaves them with a cliffhanger, saying to them, hey, go into Jerusalem, right? Uh, uh, you got to wait because something even more amazing is about to happen to you. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And Jesus' wise instruction for them, this wise instruction about the Holy Spirit being ready to be poured out, this moment that will forever change history, and they're going to be on the very ground floor of something so amazing that they're going to be preaching about it 2,000 years later. This was his wise instruction in verse 4. <laughs> Jesus says to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Wait. Something great is about to happen. Just wait. <laughs> oh, don't you love that? Praise God. Uh, there used to be a, uh, then there used to be a preacher who would say that. Now the rest of the story, right? Uh, well, you have to tune back for the rest of the story. Who wants to wait for that? <laughs> I just want to hear the end. And so here they are waiting. Jesus says, now you're going to have to wait. Now, contrary to rumor, uh, they are not very popular in Jerusalem, okay? Uh, they're not welcome there. It's not like everybody loves them there. The Pharisees still dislike them. And uh, so there's still a little bit of fear, not as much because Jesus rose from the dead, but, but they're not popular in Jerusalem. So Jesus is commanding them to go where they don't want to go. Ooh. He says, go to Jerusalem. I don't want to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> We've been to Jerusalem. You know how they feel about us in Jerusalem? You know what they say about us in Jerusalem? You know what they think about us? I don't want to go there. Jesus says, now nah, go to Jerusalem. You got, you got to go to that place. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to, to wait. You see, they got to go where they don't want to go, and they got to wait for God to show up. They have lots of questions. I would have lots of questions. Uh, they have lots of questions for Jesus, and they say, wait a minute, I know you want us to wait, but, but if I'm going to wait, because who wants to wait, but, but if I'm going to wait, well, when are you going to restore Israel, right? That's a big question. In fact, that's the first question they ask. How much longer will this take? <laughs> you see, that's usually my first question. When my wife says to me, uh, can you wait just a minute? <laughs> I've learned through many years of marriage now that, uh, that minutes, that not just a minute, that, that's not uh, real. That doesn't exist. So I, I begin to ask, <laughs> how long? How long is this minute going to be? How long are we going to wait? How long is this going? to be and that's their question all right we'll wait but tell us how long we have to wait isn't that a good question that's the first question I'd be asking yeah I have no problem waiting as long as you tell me exactly how long I'm supposed to wait but Jesus simply asks them to trust him that's what he says in verse 7 after they've asked their questions in verse 7 he says to them 
It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. (laughs) They asked Jesus, hey, we want to know. We're serving you. We love you. You say to go to Jerusalem. Fine, we'll go. You say to wait. Fine, we'll wait. Can you tell us how long we have to wait? And Jesus says, it's none of your business. (laughs) Praise God. You can imagine revivals breaking out. You can imagine how excited they are. Have you ever been in that place with the Lord? Don't raise your hand. People are watching. Amen. Praise God. Uh, But have you ever been in the place uh, where God is said to wait and you say, how long? And God says, it's none of your business. (laughs) Praise God. That's what he tells them. I'm not asking you to understand. I'm asking you to trust. That's what he's saying. Simply trust him. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to have it figured out. I only want you to trust me. I only want you to believe me. I I only want you to know that something great is going to happen. You see, waiting on the Lord requires a trust in him. You see, I can't wait for the Lord if I don't trust him, if I don't trust that he will do what is best for me, if I don't trust in what he says and what he says he'll do that he'll do. If I, if I can't trust that, then I can never wait on the Lord. In fact, most of the trouble I've gotten in spiritually, most of the times where I've backslidden, I know we can't talk about that in the church, but, but let's be honest, most of the times where I've had my struggles with the Lord are because I don't wait. And the reason I don't wait because in reality I don't trust and Jesus says trust me it's going to require trust if you're going to wait it's going to require trust in me trusting that he will do what he says he will do it got me to ask a simple question of myself do I really trust the Lord when he asks me to wait do I really trust the Lord when he asks me to wait oh boy That's a tough question, so let's move on. Amen. Uh, First thing I see is that waiting requires trust. The second thing I see is that waiting requires patience. You see, that's different. Uh, waiting not only requires trust but it also requires patience you see trusting is only the first hurdle that we have to jump in order to wait upon the Lord you see Jesus tells them to be patient not only does he say you got to wait but he says be patient for the best is yet to come something amazing is about to happen just be patient that's what he tells them in verse 5 for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Woo, church, that's great, great news. I mean, especially for a church that uh, believes in entire sanctification, this is a big moment, man. This is a huge moment in all of our history. He says, be patient. The best is still yet to come. You see, I cannot think of a more impatient group of people in my life. Uh, in this moment, when they're waiting, okay, uh, imagine what they've gone through. Just put yourself, for one second, put yourself in the shoes of the apostles. The, this would be difficult for me. And as I put myself in their shoes, begin to think about how impatient they would have to be. And, and they're being told to wait. You see, they went through the agony of Jesus dying on the cross. Uh, and it wasn't just that Jesus died for their sins and they understood it. They really felt they lost lost their leader. They really felt they lost somebody they loved more than anything on this earth. They loved him dearly and they watched him be brutally beaten and they saw him die. There's agony. 
There was sobbing that took place because Jesus didn't die and then jump off the cross and say, ha ha, you didn't get me. Three days. Can you imagine the agony of those days? Can you imagine the, uh, the hurt that they went through, the loss of hope? I tell you, that, that's exhausting. And not only did they go through the agony of his death, but then they went through the joy of his resurrection. I mean, imagine being in the lowest place you could possibly be, and in the next moment, whoo! I mean, being so excited, being on the mountaintop, because he's not dead, and he's alive, and you see the, uh, the holes that are in his hands, and in his feet, and in his side, and there's great rejoicing and great excitement. The hope went from hopeless, and boy, everything's done, and my whole world is over, to turning around in one second, and seeing that wow everything is restored back to the way that it should be man this is this is a swing of emotions i would begin to feel pretty invincible that's how i would feel i would feel invincible jesus had been teaching them for the last 40 days and there's nothing that the pharisees could do about it right i mean there's nothing you could do about it. who's going to talk against jesus in this time he died on the cross everybody watched him die and now he's risen and he's walking and he's talking I mean, I'd feel pretty invincible. I'd feel pretty excited. I would feel, hey, man, there's nothing that we cannot conquer. This is what they were hoping for. This is what they had heard about. They'd heard stories about this from when they were little kids, all growing up in the household. They would be hearing about this moment when the Messiah would come, when all of life would change, when, uh, when everything as we know it would be radically changed in an instant, and they are now a part of all of that. It's what they're hoping for. It's what they're excited about I don't know about you but I would be impatient to do what's next let's do it let's go to the next city let's go take over the next group of people Woo! I'm on fire for Jesus but there's a reason that Jesus does not tell them when things are going to happen uh uh, when uh, there's a reason Jesus tells them uh, that they don't need to know the dates and the time. They're not to know all of those things. Now, if... If we were being logical and I were there, I would raise my hand. Uh, I would say, you know what, Lord? <laughs> uh, uh, it would be easier for me to trust if you told me the dates and the times. I mean, that would help my trust. I don't know about anybody else that's here, but that would help my trust. If I knew the dates and the times, if I knew when things were going to happen, boy, that would sure help me. But if I knew how things were going to happen, and I knew when they were going to be happening to me, when I knew how and when that I would be set free, <laughs> then I'd never wait. You see, if I knew how or when, if I knew what was going to happen... I would find a quicker way. You see, if God revealed to me all of the change that needed to happen in my heart and my life, and he showed me the long route that I'm going to have to take, I don't know about anybody else here, but I'd say, Lord, there's a faster route. It's a whole lot quicker and a lot less pain. I don't have to go through that kind of struggle. I don't have to go through the tears. I don't have to go through the sorrow and the joy. It could be really quick. I mean, we could just cut. You see, I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't be patient i would want to do what i wanted when i wanted you see patience allows me to do things god's way and not my way 
See, can I tell you, often the problem in churches today is that it's full of people who are getting their way and not God's way. And it looks really good on the outside. And it sounds really good. And we have great concerts going on on Sunday mornings. (laughs) And we have great uh, motivational speaking going on on Sunday mornings. We do. It's all over. But if that's what we're about, if that's why we're supposed to come to church, then I I hate to break it to the church, uh, but the Detroit Lions, my favorite worst team ever in the history of the NFL, they are the greatest church on Sunday morning because they have the best. If what we're meeting about is what makes us feel good, then they're the best church going. So I have to realize doing things God's way and not my way, that's what patience allows. It's that old saying that we need to remember. God is never late. He is seldom early, but He's always on time. If I wait for Him, if I'm patient, I allow Him to work through me and not me to work and then ask God to bless. It got me to ask a question. If patience is required for waiting, then am I patiently waiting on God's will? Am I patiently waiting for His timing? First thing I see is that uh, waiting requires trust. Waiting also requires patience. And the last thing that waiting requires, waiting requires strength. You have to have strength in order to wait. While, I tr- while trust and patience uh, are the first two hurdles that we ever have to go through, strength is by far the most difficult. You see, choosing every day to trust by ignoring the questions that keep circling in my mind and then holding myself back from rushing ahead and doing what I want to do and not what God wants to do. When I'm in that mode, it is truly physically and mentally exhausting. I can't imagine uh, everybody in that room was in a great mood that that pentecost uh that first day of pentecost uh they're waiting in the house for pentecost and i i can't imagine everybody's in a good mood i i can't imagine they're singing kumbaya i can't imagine they're uh talking about how great everything is i imagine there's a little bit of frustration there's a little bit of chippiness there's a there's a lot of questions there's a lot of exhaustion as they're waiting can't even imagine the mood that's in the room because waiting always brings us to the end of our strength. Ooh, that was a good one. It took me all week to think about that. Waiting always brings us to the end of our strength. That's what happens. It gets me exhausted and gets me to the end of all the strength that I have. And in fact, we understand Paul said that his strength, God's strength, is made perfect in our weakness. You see, it's not until I was at the end of my strength. It wasn't until I was at the end of everything I knew to do. It wasn't until I was physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted, it wasn't until I was at the end of me that the Holy Spirit finally took control of my life. It wasn't because the Holy Spirit didn't want control of my life. It's because I stopped fighting the Holy Spirit for control of my life. You see, I find it is in my weakest and darkest times that I am finally willing to let the Lord restore my soul. 
Church, can I tell you, he sanctified me wholly when I stopped fighting him. He set me free. He gave me his strength. I relied on him. I was finally set free. You see, when I come to the end of my strength, I can then be filled with his strength. And it's only when I'm filled with his strength that I can truly wait upon the Lord. Amen. Everybody's falling asleep this morning. That's all right. Uh, This is good news. Pentecost Sunday. Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh. We should be jumping up and down and excited. Uh, But to be filled with his spirit, to have him take over is when I'm at the end of me. When I've come to the end of my strength, it is then and only then that I can wait upon the Lord. You see, his strength is what gives us the peace that passes understanding. While my strength is flawed, his strength is perfect. Wow. When I lean on my own strength, I begin to think I'm pretty good. I often tell people I'm pretty amazing. If you don't believe me, just ask me. I'll tell you all about it. But I find when I lean on my own strength, I begin to justify bad behavior. In fact, uh, I came across this and found it very profound. A person who calls himself frank and candid can very easily find himself becoming tactless and cruel. A person who prides himself on being tactful can eventually find that he has become evasive and deceitful. A person with firm convictions can become pig-headed. A person who is inclined to be temperate and judicious can sometimes turn into someone with weak convictions. Loyalty can lead to fanaticism. Caution can become timidity. Freedom can become license. Confidence can become arrogance. And humility can become servility. All these are ways in which our strength can become weakness. I don't want to lean on my strength because this is where my strength leads me. I begin to think that I'm always right. (laughs) And my wife reminds me that I'm not. Amen. But I begin to think that I somehow know all the answers. I know better I don't want to admit this to anybody, but sometimes I can think I know better than the Lord knows. Because I begin to question what He's put in place. I begin to question what I want. See, if I rely on my strength, I find myself becoming somebody that is not Christ-like. And so I don't know about everybody else here, but I want to be at the end of my strength. I want to be done Waiting requires strength, but not my strength. Waiting requires the strength of the Lord to lean on Him, to trust in Him, to say, Lord, I'm going to put my life in Your hands. Would you stand with me this morning? Just a few questions that burn at my heart today. This Pentecost Sunday... Am I trusting in the Lord while I wait?
Do I trust while I wait? Have I been patiently waiting for His timing? Or do I find myself complaining about God not moving fast enough? I guess really, am I at the end of my strength? And if I'm not at the end of my strength, maybe today, am I ready to be filled with His strength? Am I ready to be filled with His strength today? I don't know about everybody else, but I'm ready for that. I want to just take a moment this morning. God is speaking to you. We're not going to sing songs and drag this out. I believe it's simple. If God is speaking to you and you'd like to come pray, come and pray. We'll have folks that'll pray with you. If you don't want anybody to pray with you, you just want to pray by yourself and come over to this side over here. We're not going to drag it out. I'm really just going to pray. But if God's speaking to you this morning, if, if you'd like His strength while you wait, I invite you to come. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, I thank you for this wonderful church, and I thank you for uh, all these wonderful people. Lord, I'm thankful for a church that wants to put you first in all that we say or do. Lord, I'm thankful for a church that hungers for more and more of your righteousness. Lord, I pray you be with us. Oh, Lord, as today isn't a referendum on our actions, but Lord, a, a challenge challenge to not take our eyes off of you. Lord, I want to wait. I want to wait for your blessing. I want to wait for your timing, but Lord, I want to be honest. Waiting is the hardest thing you've ever asked me to do. And Lord, I struggle to wait. So Lord, I pray that you give me the strength that I need so that I can trust, so that I can be patient. Lord, I pray that you begin to heal the marriages, Lord Jesus. You begin to, uh, Lord, change lives. You begin to uh, touch the children who need more and more of you. Lord, I pray that you begin to challenge our church. <laughs> oh, Lord, that we're not just a, a place that meets on Sunday morning, but, Lord, we're a, a training ground for those who are going to go out and make a radical difference in the world tomorrow. We want it to happen today, but, oh, Lord Jesus, may we be patient and trust that you are building and guiding and leading those leaders of tomorrow. Lord, I pray that you be with us in all that we say and do. Each and every one of us has a personal story, has a personal struggle that we're wading through right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you give us what we need at just the time we need it. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. We patiently wait for you. And, oh, Lord, we need your strength. We ask all of this in your precious, holy, and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you this morning. I pray that you have that trust and patience and strength. Uh, let's go and be ready to impact the world for Jesus. May God bless you. You are dismissed.